Produced in one of the world's longest-running distilleries, Belvedere Vodka is the world's finest all-natural vodka. Belvedere is made with non-GMO Polish rye, pure water, and no additives. Recognized for quality, Belvedere was named the ISC World Vodka Producer of the Year in 2015, 2016, and 2017. Enjoy a delicious cocktail with Belvedere Vodka today, and remember to always drink responsibly. Welcome to the Ringer NFL Show on the Ringer Podcast Network. I'm Robert Mays, joined as always by Kevin Clark. Kevin, how you doing, bud? I was going to start this, Robert Mays, by discussing a couple of things that came up this week. Cody Kessler is 1-0 as Jaguar starter. <laughs> it's the story. No, the, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers think it's okay to put a linebacker on Keenan Allen coverage on a crucial third down. I, I think both Josh times. Allen is the new... Cam Newton, apparently, according to some Dolphins players who who made the comparison after the game. But I want to start with some really surprising news that I just found out, which is that during this podcast, which is essentially recorded overnight in your time zone, you drink coffee. Yeah, I need a little jolt, man. It's 1130 at night. It's, I'm currently staring at the clock. It's 1127. But how do you then go to sleep after that? Caffeine doesn't affect me that much. If I have a little bit of it, I can stay up and then go to bed. That's always how I've been. So instead of putting on an entire pot of coffee, I, I frothed some milk. I fired up the Nespresso and I've, I've got a nice little latte working for me right now. It's very cozy and I don't know. It puts me in a good place. Should have stayed with the Kessler storyline. All right, let's talk about football. <laughs> So uh, let's start with, uh, in my opinion, the number one headline that's come out of Sunday, and that's that the Packers have fired Mike McCarthy, which you know it felt like it was inevitable at the end yeah. of the season. But as we've talked about all year, really the only reason that Mike McCarthy's had a job for this long is that the Packers are, I don't know, by most estimations, the most conservative franchise in the NFL when it comes to these sort of decisions. I would say so for them, I would say that the Steelers are number one with the bullet in that. And that then, that's all right. Fine. So, yes. so the second most then, so they fired their coach after week 13, which I don't know, both of us kind of discussed this, that we would have been surprised if they had done this mid season. And I think it probably required a loss to the Cardinals for it to happen before week 17 and black Monday, but a decision that we all expected to come, but did not expect to come this soon. I guess I would say. I, I guess the big picture point from my perspective is everyone sees this as certainly a shock, and I find it a shock as well. Um, he is the second coach in history to be relieved midway through a season who's won a Super Bowl, that according to, I think, Adam Schefter. Wow, that's really interesting, actually. The other being Don McCafferty. <laughs> you could have given me a hundred guesses. So I, I like, I've done some deep dives in NFL history did not know Don McCafferty won a Super Bowl. No, I don't know who Don missed McCafferty it. is. I missed it. He was a Colts Colts coach. There 70s. you go. Yeah. Yeah. You could have given me a lot of guesses. And I still Fired 1972 that. after, after a Super Bowl in 1970. Okay. But here's the thing. I know we see this is sort of disrespectful because he got dumped mid season after a really bad loss to an awful Cardinals team. But the point was made by a couple smart people, I think, out on Twitter and, and in some of the stories that this saves Mike McCarthy. A couple things. Number one, he he does, if he wants, I, I do believe he'll be a head coach again. Kind of set the, the 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 agenda there. You know, start seeking out, get some time off, whatever, before the coach carousel in a month. We knew this was going to happen. And instead of this inevitable, 
Last four weeks, he's being asked about his job every single press conference, four times a week after every loss. I mean, this saves him a lot of grief, I guess you could say. And so I'm not, when, when I think about it from that way, that obviously was going to be done in a month's time, I can see why the Packers did it. Yeah, it makes sense. Again, I'm just a little bit surprised about the timing. Sure. So a, a couple of things to unpack that you just said. If you were running an NFL franchise, would you hire Mike McCarthy as your head coach? Well, I mean, no, but I wouldn't do 95% of the things NFL teams do. That's fair. Yeah, I. as we're talking about this, and we're going to get into this discussion a little bit, kind of the climate that allows Mike McCarthy to be fired 13 weeks into the year, why a guy like Mark, Mike McCarthy gets fired, why most te- more teams will move on from their coaches, in my opinion, than we thought six months ago just based on what's going on around the league. I think that climate and that environment is one of the reasons I just wouldn't even think about hiring Mike McCarthy as my head coach. I think there's a couple of things to think about when we're talking about the candidate pool. First of all, if typically I think around six teams, six and a half teams make a move every offseason. Okay. And I think there's sort of a limiting factor there because there's just not enough candidates and I looked at the, you know, some of the the Packers writers put together a list of of candidates you think will be considered, and it's not as impressive as you'd think. And it was uh, actually give me some of the names. Okay, Zach Taylor, the Rams quarterbacks coach, was on it. That's remember we were talking about a couple weeks ago. There are going to be so yeah. many terrible head coach hires wow. that happen. And I'm not saying Zach Taylor is going to be one of them, but uh-huh. it's the Zach Taylor types that could end up being an unmitigated disaster for some of these sure, and, and But here's the problem is Sean McVay was a Zach Taylor type. Agre- agreed. Right. I'm not, it's not a bad idea. No. And it's the right kind of sphere of coaches that I think should be considered. But I think yeah. the Zach Taylor type will come with a lot of regrets for a franchise very soon. All right. Let me read you the other names. Okay. This is Tom Silverstein. Great Packers writer. He has Josh McDaniel, Zach Taylor, Lincoln Riley. He has Brian Dable on here. Okay. Uh, <laughs> who who Pat, I got? Who, who Pat, did I get Brian Dable confused for the other day? I Bre- don't. Greg Roman. It was Greg Roman. It was right? Greg. It was, it was any. Me- it was yeah. any mediocre offensive coordinator That's in the exactly NFL. Right. So you got him yep. confused with Pat Fitzgerald, John Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh, David Shaw. David Shaw intrigues me. He's not. He is not a Lincoln Riley type in the sense that he's not going to be. Uh, Mr. New Age spread, but he is a college coach with a lot of success. The problem is, I think... David Shaw intrigues me too. But I I think that David Shaw has gotten a million of these calls and he's never really entertained any, so... Have you ever met David Shaw? I have. The Combine once. The only time I've ever interacted with David Shaw, it was on the the tram in the Atlanta airport and I just ran into him and he had gotten Chick-fil-A because did you, inter- did you introduce yourself and say, we were ta- just, oh, yes. just go we were, up yeah. and just start yakking Chick-fil-A. We, we were talking, I introduced myself. We were talking on the tram and I was like, do you guys have one of those in Palo Alto? He goes, no, it's the, I have to get it when I'm on the road. I was like, that's a great move then get it in the terminal and being able to like eat it on the way to the baggage claim. It's just a really savvy choice. So that sort of that sort of decision-making and that sort of forethought, I feel like he could be a decent head coach. I met him, uh, and he was on, I think, the NFL Network stand at or the set at the combine of the draft, and that he, was sh- right. he was showing everybody his apps. <laughs> he had really cool apps. He had like hand. He had he had like handwriting apps that then turned into text or something, which is literally a Simpsons gag from twenty years ago. But uh, but it worked, and he was showing. I don't even remember what the app was. Whatever, be like, I don't, you know. 
Fucking Jeff Fisher's not showing anybody any apps. So, all right, let, let's talk about the David Shaw thing, independent yeah. of the apps, for a quick second. So, and let's talk about the candidate pool and how many job openings there might be, because I think this is another takeaway from the weekend outside of the Packers and Mike McCarthy. So, let's try to figure this out. So, let's the Packers are one. I think the Buccaneers are two. I'm still putting the Cardinals in there, even though you don't think okay. there's any chance they fire their. Uh, coach. I don't. Think that, I don't. Think there's. I'm first of all, they just won today. That's fine. They're three and nine. Okay. So I mean, it's, that, it's, it's, there's it's not possible. a lot. Typically it's a GM change, which is by the way, possible, which, which brings a, a there's a non-zero change. chance. They fire their coach. Okay. Yeah. So I would say that's, that. but I would say that of almost everybody. So that, that's the conversation we're about to have. Jets. So that Jag, Jaguars four, uh, Browns five. I'm, I'm, wait, I'm, wait, looking, wait, I'm, wait, I'm going, wait, wait, I'm going up Jaguars. to the Jaguars yeah. are going to fire Doug Marone. Would you be shocked if that happened? Wait, are we just doing non-zero chance, or we think it's going to ch- happen? The non-zero chance. Okay, this is like okay. The, the the possible teams. So okay. the Jags are five. The Browns, obviously, that's six. The I'd say all the AFC West teams are safe because <laughs> the bad team in the AFC West is a ten-year coach coaching contract. I think the Jet the Jets are seven, and the Dolphins are or the Jets are six, and the Dolphins are probably seven. I'd say those okay. teams are the ones I'd throw out. Okay. And then the other headline I want to chat about today, I want to talk about the teams that don't necessarily seem as logical because it came out this morning that David Tepper was considering a change for the Panthers possibly. But an organizational change. And that would mean mean everything because he's concerned about the analytics. Exactly. But I think that more and more teams are maybe going to consider an organizational change because of some of the coaching jobs we've seen elsewhere. For all of the McVeighs, for all of the really good coaching jobs we've seen around the league, I think the same way we've discussed this in terms of quarterbacks and offensive coordinators, we're going to see with head coaches as well. I feel like there are going to be some shocking choices at the end of the season. And in my opinion, the Rams, or excuse me, the Panthers firing Ron Rivera would be a shocking choice. Yeah, I agree. I don't necessarily I, I, disagree with it, but it would be surprising. It would be less surprising if the organizational change involves front office moves. Correct. Um, just because if you're looking at an analytics sort of move, bringing in a GM who, who's analytics forward thinking is is a lot easier than a head coach. Okay, but what I will say about the as we learn with Sashi Brown and some of this other stuff, it's not baseball yet there aren't a huge pool of, you know, I, I remember like 2012, 2013, a lot of teams were getting in their first analytics guys. As we know, the chargers don't even have an analytics department. It's not like there's a hundred guys out there who are analytics guys. There are some very talented guys who are ready to be GMs out there. And I understand that they're younger. It's going to be baseball esque, but it's not like there's a huge pool of candidates. If four five, six teams try to go, forward thing with the front office that, that that can't happen just yet because of the pipeline. I think that we are three, four five years away from that. And it's going to happen. There will be an analytics revolution in football, but I don't think if, if a bunch of teams are going to try to hire analytics GMs, I don't think that can happen in 2018 just because of how slow the NFL was to bring those guys in on the front end. It's not dissimilar to the offensive play callers and the offensive minds conversation. Maybe the pool won't be as big as we want it to be. Maybe it won't be a sea change at this very moment. Maybe there will be some really bad decisions made as a result of teams wanting to drastically change. But I do think that there is a right way to think about the direction that you're going, even if it's going to be a bad decision based on, again, a limited pool of candidates. 
Yeah. I just want to see teams do different stuff and do stuff that is born of the right motivation. That's it. And I don't mind the Panthers sitting there being six and six, looking at what's happened to their defense over the last month or so and saying, why are we doing this? Like, why do we need yeah. to have this be the direction that we're going? And like you said, it's mostly based on changes at the top. You know, if it were still Jerry Richardson there, there's no way they'd fire the coach. But when other changes happen, this is the type of stuff that follows. And I don't necessarily hate it. I feel like if you're not trying to catch up to the big boys at this point, then you're not doing anything. You're running in place and that's not, it's not okay. That's not where you should be right now. If you want to win a, a championship and win a Super Bowl and be a competitor, then you have to be in the conversation with these really, really smart teams. Okay, so I want to talk about the Packers real quick. Let's because, you know, I'm going to, I'll write this on the ringer this week, but when I think about this hire, it's one of the most important hires, I guess, most pressurized hires in recent football history. Because you think Absolutely. about, you think about inheriting a superstar, a genuine we, we overuse the generational talent label, but he really is a generational talent. Aaron Rodgers. He's Rogers. more than a generational talent. I mean, it's, he's a once every three generations talent. He's one of the most talented quarterbacks that's ever played. I mean, that's how important this is. Right. So you're inheriting him at in his mid-30s. And the two sort of analogous hires here are Gary Kubiak with the Broncos after John Fox was fired when they realized that John Foxing wasn't happening. And this was a time we still thought Peyton Manning was the elite of the elite. They won a Super Bowl with him, but we didn't know that he was going to become a corpse midway through that season. Okay. The other one is Jimmy Johnson with Dan Marino. Um, Jimmy was brought in after his successful Cowboys run to sort of do the last gasp with Marino. That's that, a good poll. I wouldn't have said that, but that's 100% that true. That didn't work, obviously. Um, they had some, you know, they made the playoffs and all that, but that wasn't, that say. wasn't, that wasn't it chief as they say. So <laughs> that's really it. You know, you can't really do the George Seifert stuff. I mean, you know, Tom Brady, it, it, this is not going to happen to Drew Brees this is not going to happen to. So, there's not a lot of guys sort of in the modern NFL that we can look to as far as this goes. Yeah. I mean, I'm so curious about what's going to happen. And as someone who doesn't necessarily root for the Packers to succeed, I'm not sure how successful I want it to be. But I also would love to see somebody get the most out of this final stretch of Aaron Rodgers' career. I made this comparison earlier in the week when people were talking about how done Aaron Rodgers is. And I compared it to the Justin Verlander trade. It's like people were watching Justin Verlander in Detroit. It's like, oh, well, Justin Verlander's done. And then as soon as he gets in a semi-decent situation, Justin Verlander was the best pitcher in baseball again. It's like, I, I don't think you can overstate how bad it's been in Green Bay for the last two or three seasons and how much Aaron Rodgers would still have in the tank with the right circumstances. If they make the right hire, I have no doubt that this Packers offense can be really good really fast again. I, I don't understand why you wouldn't. Did you see a sort of a nice little feather in the cap of the McCarthy era that Aaron Rodgers is now no longer, this is from Chase Stewart today, no longer the leader in yards per attempt among active players. It's a perfect ending. There's no, there is no better punctuation. He's been passed mark. by Ben Roethlisberger and Russell Wilson today. <laughs> There's no better way to end the Mike McCarthy era than that. All right. Uh, let's change gears here and let's talk about the other biggest story of the weekend, uh, clearly. Uh, and that is the Kareem Hunt news coming out of Kansas mm -hmm. City. Uh, you wrote about it on Friday night. I also wrote about it on Friday night right before he got cut and then had to stop writing about it because the entire news cycle changed. This is 
Uh, undeniably, I think the biggest story coming out of the NFL that has nothing to do with the games. What are your kind of takeaways from the last 24 hours or so after we've learned more and more about the NFL's investigation, after the Chiefs' thought process? So you come away from Sunday feeling even worse somehow about the NFL's investigation. The Athletic reported essentially that the NFL told the Chiefs to stop trying to get the video, which there have been so many missteps in NFL investigations over the past four or five years. And and this just boggles the mind that they would want to be less thorough in their investigation. And it, it really does raise more questions than answers. Yeah, that. so there are so many elements of this that I, I felt like we really have to dig into. One, the NFL did not talk to him Right. And did not talk to the victim in this situation. Obviously, they, I mean, they said that they reached out to her on multiple occasions. I, I believe that that's true. But they did not talk to him because they felt like the Chiefs had already done it and that was enough, which well, is not, that's not, that's not an investigation. Yes. That's not an investigation. If you're kind of claiming that you did your due diligence on some of these aspects, right? You called the hotel and asked them for the tape and they said that they don't give it any, to anyone but law enforcement. You called the Cleveland Police Department. And asked them for the tape, but they said they didn't even get it because I guess the Cleveland Police Department only accrues that sort of video if they feel like a felony is involved. Yeah. But if they didn't get the tape, how would they, how know, they know if it were a felony right. or not? Yeah. So it's not investigation unless you cover every single avenue of what could be possible in these circumstances. And that's why I just don't believe anything that the league is trying to say. Part of this issue, I think, hiring Lisa Friel to be the head of this investigation kind of side of this of the NFL's organization and having them do their own in-house work on this. She's a former prosecutor, and there may be an aspect taken out of the NFL kind of doing these shady backroom deals about how to get a tape like this. And if they can't get it through legitimate means, they're going to stop trying to get it. But TMZ got it. The NFL is a $15 billion a year business. Are we really supposed to believe that if the NFL can't get it through the right channels, that they just can't get it? Or should we believe that if they can't get it through the right channels, they just don't want it that bad? Because that is what I'm inclined to believe. So here's my general thought on this, and on this particular investigative prowess of the league. It is amazing to me how many similarities there are with the Ray Rice case, right down to the fact that we're arguing over a a hotel tape and who should get the hotel tape. The NFL did not learn from its mistakes in 2014. I covered that very closely. I was at owners meetings. I was talking to owners all the time, team presidents all the time. And everything they said was, you know, we're going to get through the scandal. We're going to get through the scandal. I get it, et cetera, et cetera. And, but after this, everything's going to change. And I feel like the fact that they think they're scandal proof made it so, and, and they, and by and large, by the way, the Ray Rice incident did not cause ratings to dip and owners know that, but I think they think that they're scandal proof. So nothing is going to change until somehow scandal can hurt their bottom line. That has not happened. And, and that's what this seems like is yeah. that because there is self-interest involved on both the chief side and the league side, they're willing to look the other way when any sort of putting their head in the sand is going to be to their benefit. Uh, and so here's where, here's where I, I disagree with you a little tiny bit. I don't think it's evil or malicious. I think it's incompetence. I don't uh, think see, the, I, I don't, I don't necessarily believe that. I don't think the NFL has any trouble railroading its own players. I think if they could have done it, they would. I think they're just incompetent and they didn't know how to investigate this. 
Yeah, yeah, no, I I can see it. I, I, what I think I they're just that, bad at this. Yeah, what I wrote that never saw the light of day was that was the question to me: was it incompetence or was it just this level of maliciousness? And I don't know which side I come down on. Obviously, I don't think a lot of people in league office are doing a very good job, but I don't think they're evil. I think many of them are just stupid. Do you feel like the Chiefs have been kind of let off the hook a little bit based on the stuff that's come out in the last twenty four hours or so? If they wanted the tape, if the NFL told them to back off and not try to get it, they cut him as soon as they, they saw the tape, as soon as this all came down. What could they have known if they had tried to get the tape, if there was not total transparency in the police report based on what we've come to understand? Do you feel like the Chiefs should be commended for the decisions they've no. made, or do you feel like they also should be kind of taken to task for this? The Chiefs should not be commended. As I far agree. as what their actions were on Friday— Leaving aside everything that's happened before, they did the only thing they could have done. If they had tried to hold on to him, put him on the commissioner's exempt list, and waited for a decision, that is just a, a media firestorm waiting to happen, and they knew they couldn't do that. So as far as Friday goes, they answered the only question they could, okay? But before that, he had two incidents in the offseason. He, yes. he had one at Ohio Resort, and he had this as well. I think just... Him coming into camp and it being business as usual and then not doing a thorough, thorough investigation into what the hell was going on with him in the offseason, I think that's where you start to question what they were doing. I, mean, I think that there's going to be a lot more questions. Uh, I don't really know any answers right now because we don't know what Cream Hunt actually really told them. Uh, as far as we don't know the chief story, we don't, you know, we don't know the Ray Rice esque details. Because so many of the details in the Ray Rice thing trickled out over weeks, over months. That could happen here where we're just learning stuff weekly about this. And, and that's why I, I think that this might not be the end of a scandal, but the start of a new one. Because at the very least, at the very least, I, the, the problem the NFL faces right now is TMZ is their best investigator. And they are. And I feel like that's at the heart of this issue is just that when another entity can get this tape and they can try hard enough and they can have the motivation to do it, I just don't understand how the NFL or one of its teams can't have that same motivation, even if the means are a little bit more nefarious than we'd like to admit. All right, before we move on, let's take a quick break. Here at the NFL Show, we talk a lot about football. But why do we call ourselves a show if you aren't actually watching us? It doesn't matter. What does matter is that when it comes to watching NFL football, you never have to miss a game with the Yahoo Sports mobile app. That's because the Yahoo Sports mobile app lets you watch local and primetime NFL games live on your phone. Tune into your favorite teams in the biggest NFL matchups wherever and whenever you want all NFL season long. So download the Yahoo Sports mobile app and watch NFL football at the tap of an app. Now, back to the show. Yep, that does sound weird. All right, let's get to stock up and stock down and get back to the games from from Sunday. Uh, stock up, I mean, all of the AFC playoff teams that we've ignored for the past month, I guess that's the way to frame this. The Ravens, Broncos, Titans, Dolphins. I mean, what's going on in the AFC playoff picture? Do you feel any better about these teams today than you did yesterday or at least one or two of them? I feel like the in the hunt graphic on the playoff picture. It's dark is, right it's, now. It's the last thing you see before you die. <laughs> it's the scene from a Final Destination movie for it's sure. It's pretty bad, dude. Yeah. I mean, so we have the 7-5 and five Baltimore Ravens, who I actually am extremely intrigued by, okay? 
But then you have at six and six, the Miami Dolphins. You have the Denver Broncos. You have the Indianapolis Colts. And the six and six Tennessee Titans, who we at one point banned from discussing on this show, and they are in the thick that, of the playoffs. I, I feel like we could maybe get back to there very soon. I'm, I'm not quite ready to talk about the Titans with any sort of vigor. What What was going on with the Indianapolis Colts today? It was a terrible game. I mean, the Jags brought a ton of pressure in a way the Colts haven't had in a while. Some really bad Andrew Luck decisions. I mean, we can see that on the road against Jacksonville. It's not shocking for that game to take place. Their defense is still good. We just discussed this earlier in the week about how it's not as if the Jags defense completely fell off. They're a pretty solid defense for the most part. They're just not a game-changing defense anymore, but they still have the talent over there to have this game at home every once in a while. I still have have a faith in the Colts for the rest of the season. But even if I don't have faith in them for the rest of the season, we didn't expect the Colts to be good this year. The Colts laying an egg like this, it's not as if this is their shot. I feel like their trajectory is such that the Colts are in a very heading in a very good direction. And the idea that we needed to hold the Colts up as this bastion of a contender in the wildcard race of the AFC says more about that race than the Colts. Yeah, I mean, you start to look at it, you just wonder, and the NFC is like this too, who can win a wildcard game? And it's just the Chargers. And we, <laughs> that, that's the team. What, what you don't want, dude, what you don't want, we had this every year, is one of these playoff games where it's just like, do not watch this. You know, like the, remember those Bengals Texans games? Well, last year it was supposed to be Bills Jags, but it was so disgusting that we all had to watch it. It was so bad that it was no, good. I'm didn't. not sure if we have one of those this year. No, we didn't. We didn't, we didn't have to watch that at all. Oh, so, I certainly did, though. Couple of things. Did you see the stats? Scott Katzmar had it that the Colts have never lost a game. They were 94 and 0 when Manning or Luck played a full game and allowed fewer than 17 points. That's amazing. That 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 goes that to show says you. it all. Building building the offense and finding a quarterback is the NFL. That's consistency. That's amazing. That's an incredible stat. And meanwhile, you're going to lose to Cody Kessler. He's the one that breaks it. Again, though, I mean, what do we really expect from the from the Colts? They're fun. I like their offense. I feel like they've got a lot of intriguing pieces, but they can have this type of game. They absolutely can lose on the road to a Jacksonville team that still has a good defense. To me, it's more about which of these teams actually matter. And if I had to throw one out, I I still think the Colts are probably in the conversation just because of the ceiling they have on the right day offensively. But is it the Ravens? Is that the other one? Is it the Broncos who yeah. continue to keep winning? I mean, do we have an answer to that question? Or is it more so all of these teams are an afterthought? We know the teams in the AFC, and those teams are the division winners and the Chargers. So the Ravens, do you know how many offensive yards the Falcons got on Sunday? I can find out very quickly. Well, no, I do. I, this is a, it's a rhetorical question. I, I, you can tell me. Oh, I'm not looking at it right now. 131 yards. At home. They had not been held under 299 yards in the first 11 games. That's amazing because you know how many yards Matt Ryan had on Sunday? Tell me. 131. They had the exact number of yardage lost on sacks that they had rushing. It's 34. So Matt Matt Ryan's yardage total was the total. This is depressing. Uh, Lamar Jackson, 75 rushing yards. I mean, look, by the way, RG3 came in, looked okay. Looked like maybe the Jaguar should have listened to me and traded for him. The idea, I saw the, the report today that Joe Flacco you know, is maybe going to be healthy next week and they'd consider going back to Joe Flacco. 
We we should contract the Ravens if they go back to Joe Flacco next week. They should not be allowed to be a franchise anymore if they go back to Joe Flacco next week. I don't know. I mean, I I don't. I, I agree with you. I think Lamar Jackson's the start. I just think at that least they're, they're interesting. Their defense. No, their defense is going to be what gets them anything they're going to get. I I think their defense and being weird offensively is the best version. Fine, of them. they can start Guy Fieri at quarterback. I don't care. That's like fine. If Guy Fieri is de- running for seventy five yards and getting that sixteen yard touchdown that Lamar Jackson had and being a weapon in the red zone because he changes their numbers advantage, then fucking put Guy Fieri in there. It's okay. much better than whatever it is with Flacco. I agree. Um, Mo Sanu, first career in completion in that game. You upset? <laughs> the greatest quarterback of all time falls. He, no Aaron, longer. Rodgers dip, Aaron Rodgers no longer has the greatest pass rating of all yeah. time, and Mo Sanu no longer is a perfect quarterback. Right. Yeah, 158.3 coming into this game. Six for six on his passes. It's pretty tough, bad. Man. It's a tough it, it, when, one. When you, watch a, when you watch a legend fall from grace, it's never easy. It's a tough one. Um, yeah, so can we talk about the Broncos for a second? We can if you want to. What do you want to say? Well, speaking of not getting 200 yards and passing, Case Keenum is, I think, had 151 yards, something like that today. Uh, Philip Lindsay is really good. Yeah, I, uh, it might not be the best move to draft running backs really high. Even if you're a Bronco. I mean, so Philip Lindsay was an undrafted free agent. He became the first player in 11 seasons to have three consecutive games averaging seven yards to carry. That's amazing. I mean, 19 for 157 and two touchdowns today. I mean, 165 yard score, but even if you take the 165 yard score out, you know, it's a massive game. It's Wait, still 18 for 98. You could, you could tell me anything about the Bengals defense right now. And I believe them. Did the, did the saints break the Bengals defense? That may have happened. I also don't think the Bengals defense was ever very good, and they're pretty banged up at this point. I don't have much faith in the Broncos moving forward. I, I think that they're fine. They lost Chris Harris today. I don't know for how long he was carted off. I think that would be a I massive think, loss for them. I think it's pretty significant from what I understand. So, I mean, if they lose him for this season, it just feels like that team doesn't have the juice on either side of the ball. I mean, they played against Jeff Driscoll today. It's not as if they shut down this powerhouse of an offense that the Bengals are trotting out there. AJ Green got hurt in the middle of the game. It just, again, we're talking about these teams, these wildcard teams in the AFC, and I feel like the number one question we have to ask over the next three or four weeks is, does any of it really matter? Wait, Chris Harris has a fractured fibula. Oh, yeah, he's definitely not playing then. (laughs) No, but he says he doesn't need surgery and they're going to have further evaluation. Is this going to be one of those weird things where he's inexplicably playing in the playoffs? With a broken leg? I don't know. Dude, I had NFL players do crazy shit all the time. Vance Joseph said that he'll have further evaluation. So they basically, he's out for the season, but they haven't said it. When I saw it on the screen today, he was questionable to return. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying this might be one of those weird injuries where we think he's like, you know, going to miss training camp next year. And all of a sudden he's suiting up in week 17. Yeah, I'm not sure if he'd be back for week 17, but maybe it was a clean break and he'll be back sooner than we thought. For the Super Bowl? Yeah, those <laughs> unstoppable Broncos. Philip right. Lindsay? Uh, let's move to another stock up here. Let's talk about Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. I'm going to spend a ton of time on this. We've said a lot about Seattle in the last few weeks. Their stock being up is almost as much about the other NFC wildcard teams just kind of not showing up today and losing games they probably could have won. I mean, at this point, it just feels like Seattle's in the driver's seat to get that number five seed in the NFC. And 
you know, maybe be the most dangerous team out of any single one of those that could make the playoffs. And we're talking about Seattle, we're talking about Minnesota, and then we're talking about Carolina. I'd, we discussed it recently, but I definitely feel like Seattle is the most intimidating of that group. Totally agree. Uh, Russell Wilson is continues to be really good. We, I went on a Russell Wilson rant last week. I'm not going to do it again. What I will say is that the f- homage to the Richard Sherman tip, did you see that celebration? I did not. So they recreated the Malcolm Smith Richard Sherman tip. How did I miss this? In the end zone. I have no idea. It was fantastic. That's pretty good. I I do like that. Were you at that that tip game? No, I was at, what was the AFC championship game that year? Uh, It was Broncos Patriots. I was there. Yep. I was in. I think that that was the best football game ever meant to. The NFC championship game? Yeah. I think. Mm. It was just so different. It was just so like, and also, every championship game is better than the Super Bowl because of the crowds. Oh, I, absolutely. I've said that many times. I, I firmly believe that. There have been a couple really good Super Bowls, though, over the last three or four years. I mean, the Patriots-Seahawks Super Bowl was unbelievable in, in Arizona. Okay, let's really quickly talk about the potential playoff stinkers. Ravens at Texans, historically bad. How do you feel about the Texans? I, I think that... We're just going to write it off because it was the Browns today. But I also feel like the Browns have been playing decently well. And I think the Texans' performance today was actually pretty impressive. So I agree. I've I've been thinking about this. I thought about this today with the Texans in particular. We keep saying, oh, they haven't played anybody for like every team because there's only a handful of teams we all agree are good. <laughs> yes. Okay. And so they the, blew the, out the six and six Titans last week. The structural problem right now is that everyone agrees the Chiefs are good, the Rams are good, and the Saints are good. We don't even, if team beats the Patriots, we're not like that's a statement win. Even though the, I think the Patriots are, are the second best team in the AFC, I'm just saying when we start talking about how. What team? What teams uh, are you know our signature wins or whatever? There's really only three teams we all agree on, and so it's really hard for a team like the Texans, a team like the Bears, even a team like the Cowboys before coming in when they beat New Orleans before that to have proved themselves against a team because everyone's pretty mediocre except three or four teams, three and a half teams. I've talked about this with the Bears over the course of the season. Obviously, they lost a very strange game today. In which they gave him a defensive touchdown, and Odell Beckham threw a touchdown, and Eli Manning was three of twelve for like forty-eight yards at one point. But you should beat up teams that are worse than you. Doing it with your backup quarterback on the road when you turn the ball over a bunch—it's not necessarily easy. But I think that's the standard. You know, are you winning games convincingly, even if they're against not great competition? And the Texans have started to do that. I mean, what they did against Tennessee last week, what they did against Cleveland, the game they had against Miami. I mean, obviously you have some close wins, but. The one on the road against the Broncos looks pretty darn good right now. The one on the road against Washington isn't as good, but at a certain point, if you're nine and three and you got a couple squeakers, but you got a couple mass blowouts, you need to give teams credit for that. Well, the Seahawks are sort of a cousin of this in so much that they don't, they lost to the Broncos, uh, lost to the Bears, but they, I mean, the best team they beat is. Uh, I mean, I don't really know the Panthers, which a loss that looks kind of, I guess the, I guess the Cowboys now in hindsight, but the version that of the Cowboys, but that they Cowboys beat, game, yeah, they, that, were, they were a disaster when they played them. I know I'm saying, I'm saying that version, team. that version of the Cowboys is not a signature win. 
So I'm just saying almost their, their every best team win is the two point loss to the Rams. <laughs> almost I mean, every they, team and, and, and running up the gut with them. But almost every team suffers from the same problem, which is we cannot figure out if they're good because there are not enough good teams to prove yourself against. Yeah. I mean, it's, we need kind of a barometer. I and that's, like oh, by the way, gets, that's only a problem for pundits like us. It's, and we're going to find out in January who's good. Yeah, it, it's coming. All right, let's, uh, let's stick with teams that we, I think, know are good at this point. <laughs> the, the San, I was going to call them the San Diego Chargers because we do, do it every it. single fucking Terry time. Terry McCauley did it on NBC broadcast tonight. Uh, the Chargers, that's a nice win, man. I mean, down double digits to the Steelers on the road. Their offense just, I mean, no, not necessarily any big turnovers. They had the special teams touchdown. I mean, that Desmond King punt return is huge. But, I mean, the amount of yards that, Keenan Allen was just eating, eating up in that second half, the way the rivers played. I mean, they had Justin Jackson, you know, ripping off pretty big runs during that second half. That is a super impressive second half from the chargers. And it's the type of game that I don't know. They would have lost last year. They would have lost two years ago. If you want to get excited about the chargers, I think tonight was, I don't know. It gave you reason to. So, can we talk about the referees in that game for a second? If you'd I don't, like re- to, sure. I don't really like talking about referees. I think uh, neither do I. That's why I, I said it's that. Boring. I think it's boring. Uh, don't miss a false start penalty on a huge touchdown. Is my advice. <laughs> yeah, There's, that was bad. Because it's the we, second time that's happened for the Chargers this well, year. They the first, against the Browns the first, too. You, do you not happen to the first referee who did that? Hmm. He got fired. There you go. So, so I bet that guy was nervous. The second guy. Um, I just think that just, I forgot about that. There's so many. There's so many judgment calls and there's so many gray areas. And, and I do think the game moves so fast. It really is harder for officials. The rule book expands every year. There's too many exceptions. But for God's sake, don't miss a false start. That's someone's job on every single play is to watch the line and see if someone moves early. It's not as if you can every, miss it. We were talking about this in Slack a little earlier. I mean, every single... A lot of the, the, the big Chargers plays were a little bit fluky today. I think the real problem, I have no idea what the hell is going on with the charge or the Steelers right now. I mean, the, the third down, and I, I joked about it at the beginning of the show, the third down where you put Keenan Allen on coverage with a linebacker, stop it. Keenan Allen had 19 targets in this game. That's amazing. That's kind of how I feel about the Chargers, though, is that even in games where they're a little bit uneven where their offense kind of you know, hems and haws and there's a little bit of sputtering going on, which there was today over the course of the first half, I just have a lot of faith in their ability to do stuff like this. I mean, no Melvin Gordon. They had a running back that made a couple of huge plays, but for the most part, this was Keenan Allen and Phillip Rivers. And with that defense, with the number of plays they can make, you know, with Derwin James making a big play here and there, everything else, with Bosa coming up with a big sack as he did again today, I just have a lot of faith in the talent on this team to eventually win out. And if we're talking about teams in the AFC that can win, if we're talking about the games that matter, all of that, I think that tonight was an example of the fact that among the non-division winners, this team does matter and they're going to matter for the rest of the season. So I don't think the Steelers are going to win the AFC North. Really? Yeah, we were talking about this in Slack a little earlier with some of the folks. I don't want, I don't like outing people on Slack on who was saying what because if they want to make their opinions known, they can tweet. The Patriots still have the Steelers. They still have the Saints. Who do the Ravens have? The Ravens have the Chiefs, Bucks, and the Char- Chargers, yeah. yeah, and Browns. The Browns isn't a gimme either. Eh, we'll see. I'm just both. Both of these teams have 
two fairly hard games. And and I would say that I'd actually probably rather play the Chargers and the Chiefs than the Saints and the Patriots from the Steelers right now. That's I'd, pretty close. I it, it's close, but they but I think that it's uh I don't like what I saw from the Pittsburgh Steelers tonight at home to blow a game like that. It's just it feels like a weird Steelers season to me. I, I think they're still pretty dangerous. All right, very I, I quickly. I mean, look, look, it doesn't matter because obviously either of them are going to make the playoffs. Yeah, I, they're not going to. The, the, the damn Dolphins aren't going to make the playoffs. I think both of them probably end up getting in. It I doesn't matter. It just who I'd plays at home the in the Steelers playoffs. In division. Yeah, yeah. And, that, and that matters for the Steelers, though. Well, I mean, they they would still have to go go on the road in the second rounds. Yes, eventually they'll have to go on the road. But having one of those home playoff games does matter. All right. Very quickly, stock down. We've talked about most of these teams already. Uh, The Colts, uh, is there anything else we want to say about them? It just feels like a stinker uh, against a good defense. And Andrew Luck barely over uh, three yards per attempt in the first half. It was a combination of stuff. I mean, bad decision-making plus kind of being more under fire than he's been at any point this year. I think he got sacked three times today. You know, the defensive line for the Jags absolutely dominated, and Gawkway had a big game. They still have this potential, even against a Colts team that's been playing really well, against a line that's playing really well. It's not the most shocking thing in the world to watch the Jags defense play like this. Did you see that uh, Colts' money line was... or I'm sorry, Colts... Uh, just the Colts in general uh, was the m- most lopsided bet of the season this year. Just in terms of the more money on one side of the line yeah. than the other. What was it? 99%. Really? Yeah. What was the line? Uh, four. Scored good job. Good job, Vegas. They, they made a fucking killing today. Ravel tweeted that out. Goodness that gracious. All right. Uh, the Panthers, we've already discussed. I mean, just the idea that it seems like I mean, this has gone south in a hurry for one. And two, I wouldn't be shocked by any decision that's made over the next month or so in terms of their coaching staff, in terms of their front office. I mean, Marty Herney is the GM there. He was given that job kind of as a de facto whatever because Jerry Richardson didn't want to look for a new one. Why should that leadership continue to be in place there when you've considered how well they or how poorly they've played in some areas this season? And that defense just doesn't look very good. And who's in charge of that? It's the defensive-minded head coach and whoever builds the team. Four turnovers to Cam Newton. He didn't wear. He wasn't wearing a shirt in the post-game press conference. I did see that. He was wearing a jacket, and I, it wasn't. I'm That's not favor, a look you ever go I'm with. In favor of many of Cam's looks, but this wasn't one of them. Uh, let's talk about the Vikings as well. I mean, wait, wait. I need to talk about this game for a second. Let's do it. Jameis Winston broke the Bucks record for touchdown passes. We, we talked a little bit about this on Slack. It, the Bucks are the only team with sadder passing records. Jameis Winston passing Josh Freeman. That's, that's so terrifying. That's a, that's not exactly Rogers passing far of here, guys. I can't. I think it. Mark Carrier has the all the Bucks all time receiving yards record. And Jameis Winston having now the touchdown passes record really speaks to the Bucks' passing efficiency over the last 30 years or so. The Bears' all-time leading receiver in their franchise is Johnny Morris, who was a running back in the 80s and then like an H-back and flanker. These are the two. If you want to go get really sad or get, have a good laugh, go look at the all-time passing and receiving yards records for the Bears and the Bucks because they are in a class all their own. Amazing. Amazing. All right. Uh, I'm, on, I'm, on, about- I'm on Mark Carrier's Wikipedia page now. 
Is it Mark Harrier? I think I think it is. I don't think I'm wrong about that. He does this. not have a long Wikipedia page for someone who had 8,000 NFL yards. Mark Carrier, the running back, and there was also Mark Carrier, the the safety. Yeah, he he is not he is not the one with the receiving yards record for the Buccaneers. Uh, anything you want to say about the Vikings? It just feels like you know no. they are they're going to have a hard road now. We talked about the, the Seahawks. It still feels like the Vikings are going to get that six seed in the NFC if you were picking one of those teams. But did tonight's game give you any sort of different opinion out how you view Minnesota or no? I'm just starting to be more and more convinced Minnesota isn't actually good. Yeah, I, I, I mean, think that that's offense. the problem is I, I keep and this is just sort of confirmation bias, but or whatever it is, it's some sort of bias because I thought they were really good at the beginning of the year. And I keep looking for reasons to say that they're good. And I haven't seen them. Yeah, that offense is really hard to trust. I mean, it's just one of those things that I feel like they did a great job taking away Adam Thielen. They didn't have any plays down the field and the defense played well again. I mean, the Patriots could not move the ball for the most part through three quarters. They had 10 points, I think, at the two-minute mark of the third quarter. I have faith in that defense, but it's also hard to trust the offense just because there are games where they're going to have these. And maybe in the NFC where we're not really excited about anybody, you know, there's a chance that they're going to be a little bit more dangerous because of that defense than some of these other teams. But it really does feel like the top teams are starting to separate themselves and everybody else is becoming sort of an afterthought. What did you think of the Adam Thielen, Bill Belichick Oh, I loved it. Affair. I loved it. I, it's the second time that's happened this year. We've had a high-profile head coach and a high-profile player jawing each other. Remember, Jared or Andy Reid told Jared Goff to go fuck off during the Monday night game? Yeah. I love it. I don't mind it at all. What What year do you think Adam Thielen will be playing for Bill Belichick? Uh, it's probably two seasons from now. Two seasons Adam, from Adam now. Thielen's contract is, is such that we're going to see an Adam Thielen contract hold out sooner rather than later. So... I absolutely could see him getting dealt and the Patriots giving up like two first round picks to get him on the team. Just giving up their entire, just mortgaging their future to get Adam Thielen. God, Adam Thielen's contract is insane. Do you know how much Adam Thielen's making next season? Uh, you've told me, but repeat. It's $7 million. And he has $2 million in dead cap remaining on his deal after this year. Yeah. It's, it is the best non-rookie contract in the NFL, in my opinion, that, is, that does not belong to a quarterback. Obviously, the Brady thing, whatever, but it's an, just a ridiculous contract. It's a, it's a football miracle. All right, let's get to our challenge flags for the week. Uh, I'm throwing a challenge flag on the idea of an interim coach ever keeping his job and how every time momentum starts to build on that narrative, we really need to stop paying attention to it. The Browns lost today in embarrassing fashion. They turned the ball over four times. It was ugly often. I mean, they managed to turn up a bunch of yards because they were losing for most of the game. I kind of think it's a good thing for the Browns because the last thing this team needed is to carry over any of that leadership because they yep. won a couple games at the end of the yep. season. Could you imagine... Like an Ed Ogeron type deal where they're just like, happens, we're giving man. the job to Greg Williams. Think about like the Mike Malarkey, Doug Marone instances we've come across in the NFL. It's never a good really idea. Really out on Doug Marone. I don't think it's necessarily the best choice. Okay. I think Doug Marone is a better, is an above average coach. That's fine. All right. Let, let's, let, we'll stick with the Mike or the uh, Mike Malarkey example here. Though. Okay. It's never a good idea, in my opinion, to keep your interim coach. So if you need to lose a game in embarrassing fashion or to shake people awake and realize that's not the best move, I'm okay with it. By the way, speaking of Mike Malarkey and Doug Marone, I am just shaken to my core every time I see Gus Bradley on the Chargers sideline. <laughs> I forget he's there. 
I forget he's there and he's like I was wondering what you meant by that. He's good. I mean, like, I, I just I just it just stuns me every time. I also think, even though I know he didn't, because he had a one year deal last year, I've just Mandela affected that he left. Yeah, I could see that. Because he was like a free agent or something last year. So I'm just like, oh, Gus Bradley. And I don't think anybody else is the coordinator in Los Angeles. I just just am shocked every time it's Gus Bradley. The only reason I know it is is because I recently had a conversation with him about Derwin James. Oh, I know. Yeah. All right. uh, What's your challenge flag for the week? My challenge flag is the NFC, which has a decent chance after Minnesota's loss, Carolina's loss, Philadelphia and Tampa Bay are just not going to make it. Green Bay is fired their coach in Atlanta. By the way, did you see that Atlanta, like they had like 50% of their seats filled on Sunday? It's a really rough season for them. And it's honestly one of those years where I kind of wish they were worse. You know, the year from hell, they're going to have a top 10 pick. But it's one of those seasons where I kind of wish they would have just gone two and 14 and been able to draft at Oliver, whoever was going to be the best defensive player available to them. So they could just drop that guy in with a returning Deion Jones with Keanu Neal. You know, if they wanted to maybe go get a pass rusher in free agency or something, I still feel like that team has a ton of talent. And I think that based on the financials, they'll have one more year to really have the defense be cheap and maybe be a contender if it all breaks right. So this middling Falcons team is kind of the last version I wanted to see of them. When it started to go wrong, I wish it had gone even more wrong. Atlanta's like a soccer town now. Yeah, I know. I think. <laughs> it's the more, it's Wait, the more exciting franchise in that building. We're getting off track. So, and that was, that was my fault. So there are two NFC East teams who might make the playoffs. And, and if the playoffs started tonight, they would. And I'm throwing a challenge flag at the NFC East, the NFC teams who are making this possible. I don't need to see Colt McCoy in the playoffs. You know what? As a, a guy who roots for the team that's most likely going to get the number three seed in the NFC, I would love to see Colt McCoy in the playoffs. Let's make this happen. I, I, I don't care one way or another about what teams get in. What I'm trying to avoid is what we talked about earlier, which is those playoff matchups. You know them. They stick them on a Saturday night, and you tr- you think maybe you should skip them because it's a Saturday night, but then you never do because we're addicted to this dumb, dumb sport. And it's 13 to 10. It's always 13 to 10. I'm not with you here, man. I, I, let's go. Redskins, Bears, Saturday night. I'm into well, it. I, I, this is all I want now. Right. Now it's because you're a homer. But what I'm saying is, is that I don't want a Redskins... Bears six three matchup on Saturday night. I don't. I can it. understand that. Who do you want to make the playoffs in the NFC if it's not Washington? I I, I agree with you that I don't want to I watch say, Washington in the playoffs. I would say but either Minnesota or Carolina would be vastly more interesting. Now, nah, now nah, let's go, Colt McCoy, all the way. I, that's what I'm rooting for. You putting it into my mind really has solidified it because I, I think don't I, want to I, put I think Mikey. so. So Minnesota six five and one, Carolina six six and six and six, and. I think either of those teams, but I think Cam Newton in the playoffs is just interesting to me because I just think the ceiling is so high. I totally agree. I would much rather watch either of those teams, but as somebody who wants my team to win a wild card weekend game, I would much rather play Washington than either of them. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't really, as much as we've talked about these super teams and the fact that this weekend was a little bit of an outlier as far as super teams go. I mean, the Saints lost. It was Rams, a bizarre weekend in general. The Rams did not look very good. Um, the Patriots took care of business, but whatever. And the, the Chiefs, I mean, I, that was a weird Chiefs game. Did you watch it at all? Yeah, I watched a little bit of it. That was on it was Red Zone. strange I, game. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's that that Oakland team. It doesn't seem like we should be using them as any sort of measuring no. stick, no matter who they play. But the point is, even though it was a weird week, I do think that that what happens in the first two rounds is is kind of a it's kind of irrelevant. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I mean, we talk enough about the Bears in this show, and we'll see what oh, they we end go. up doing. Here against, we go. Well, I'm just saying, we'll see what they end up doing against the Rams next week. I, I part of me thinks that this week was an outlier for them in the same way that it was an outlier for a lot of teams. It was a very strange game, but. I don't know. I'd like to think that on the right day they can be a wrench in whatever's happening, but I tend well, to Well, sure. And listen, defense can defense can win you games. I mean, I, I know this is simplistic. We're going to get into to an exact preview of that, but you know, a team like the Bears that can not only you know limit points but also create turnovers and score points off of turnovers, they can basically be in any game. It's going to be a fun game next week. I'm looking forward to it. I, mean, I just more so what they look like against that Rams team and not necessarily whether they can win or not. I just, I feel like it's a really good litmus test and a really good barometer. All right. Very quickly, let's talk about tomorrow's headlines. I feel like Mike McCarthy getting canned is yeah. you know, going to be, it's going to linger. Who's going to take that job is going to be a storyline for the next 72 hours or so. And it's not going to go away until they hire somebody. I mean, it, we had a thing today where the Cliff Kingsbury name popped up going to the Rams as a consultant. Uh, it just feels like we shouldn't allow this to happen. Uh, a team like Green Bay it needs to go out and get somebody that's that sort of forward-thinking offensive mind. We've discussed it time and time again. I- I'm still on that track where I just feel like they need somebody to unlock Rodgers, and I'm curious to see who it's going to be. And I think that is really going to be you know, the, a dominant storyline over the next month or so. Totally agree. All right. That's all we got. Uh, We will be back on Thursday as always. Thank you guys for listening to the Ringer NFL show on the Ringer Podcast Network.